0: Warning, the following content occasionally contains adult themes and language, which is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised.
1: And welcome back to yet another episode of Cinematic Rewind. Joining me today to talk about Fight Club is Cookie... You never talk about it. First rule. ...and Regent.
2: Yeah, come on, man. Why are you violating the first rule?
1: I just knew that this was going to be a thing based off of the first two rules about Fight Club being... Don't talk about it. And here we are making an entire podcast where all we are going to do is talk about Fight Club. (laughs) Fight Club was released in 1999, was directed by David Fincher, and has a 8.8 out of 10 on IMDb, 79 on Rotten Tomatoes, and a 66 on Metacritic. It was also a novel that was released on August the 17th, 1996. I didn't know that the movie was inspired by a book.
0: Yeah, I mean, it definitely relies heavily on it from what I saw. I don't have any knowledge about the book, and I don't remember anyone talking about it, but apparently it was a big deal at the time. Hmm. Region, have you
1: read it?
2: No, actually. I actually didn't know it was a book at all.
1: Well, if anyone out there listening has read the book, go ahead and reach out to us on one of our social medias, linked below as always, and let us know what you thought about the book, how accurate was the movie to the book, let us know. But with that, I did just watch this movie fairly recently, and from the get-go, I wasn't feeling it, but as it progressed, I actually started to really like it, and by the end of it, I was like, okay, this is actually pretty good, and then it ended, and I was like, yeah, that was a solid movie, didn't have me in the first half, but the second half, it got me there yeah i
0: definitely would like to talk about that because that's actually one of my notes that i have about
1: all right we'll definitely have to do that but before we do that what is your guys' history with this film we'll go to you first region
2: I'd say for me because the movie came out when that was barely 11 actually yeah, i have just turned 11 going on 12 so this one had been fifth grade going in the sixth grade sounds like from that that time period i didn't well, obviously i didn't see it in movies because you know child. Didn't get my hands on it until probably college. Yeah, it was, had to be college when me and my um, dormitory hallmates, we literally had a collection of movies between the eight of us. And I had like the bigger collection because at the time that's all I was doing is collecting movies and saving them up for school for class projects. We decided to do a movie night in the RA's room for Fight Club and have people come over and watch it. And that's when I was finally able to actually really watch the movie. But after that, I, I wouldn't say I didn't, it wasn't necessarily a cult movie to me. Like I know it's a lot of people this is a cult classic for viewers i think it's a very solid movie i think it's really good for both their catalogs of actors for their careers both edward and brad pitt respectively hell even the cameos by meatloaf and jared leto was a nice touch too but we'll get more into that down the down the road in this episode
1: oh yeah what about you cookie what's your history with the film
0: Somewhat similar, and it's actually going to bring pieces that I've spoke about on the podcast. Just like Regent, I was around that age too. However, my dad, what he would do is, he was, both my parents, they would be completely fine with me watching R-rated movies as long as it didn't just go into certain extents. Like Certain foul language was fine, but if it had like a bunch of different nudity and certain topics that was just too grotesque or something like that, it would definitely be a no-no. And my parents didn't even care to watch that kind of stuff anyway, so it didn't come up that much. But This movie in my history, it was the only time that my dad would not allow me to watch a film that he watched because what he would do is he would vet films. He'll watch them twice. He'll get them from blockbuster. If it was something like kind of like this, where it was a little bit more action-packed or a little bit more manly type of a movie, he would watch it like on Friday night. And then depending on how he felt about it, he would let me watch on Saturday night with him. And we actually did that pretty regularly, but this was the first and only time. And it stuck in my memory. When I asked him on Saturday, I was like, Hey, Can can I watch this? I I saw it on commercials a whole (laughs) lot, and I remember his face. He looked at me. He was like, "Nah, nah, nah, son. (laughs) This this one, nah. This is too much for you." Similar to Regent, I actually did get a chance once I went to college to watch it. Even though I've talked about on the podcast before, I was able to start renting movies as a teenager, sixteen and seventeen. It still just wasn't on my radar to go back and rewatch. And I was fortunate with going to the school that I went to. It had a large library of movies that you could just borrow as students. And this was one of the first ones I wanted to. Now, to the point of me watching it, I was impressed when I watched it as in like, oh, okay, I can see why it became a cult classic, why it's referenced in pop culture. It kind of stopped right there. It was one of those things where I enjoyed it. Glad to know what everyone was talking about. And then I didn't care to ever watch it again. Not necessarily in a bad way, but I feel like I got, I got what I wanted out of the movie. And then I recently rewatched it again. I definitely picked up more. I think it's a movie that you have to rewatch multiple times if you really want to catch, all the stuff. And I'll dive more into that because I do want to speak more about the pros and cons to building a movie that way. But ultimately, I did enjoy it. Yeah, that's my history with the film.
1: Okay. Was this film like very large when it came out? Did it have a huge following? Like, what was the reception of it? And that's an open question for both of you to answer.
2: I'll let you go first, Regent. I mean, f- for me and my core group of friends, at that time, I really have no clue because it wasn't something we were concerned about in the, in, at that time of year, at least for that type of movie coming out. Because back then, that was the kind of movie we couldn't see, obviously, without our parents being there. So for a lot of us, it was very much like the Lord of the Rings movies. I mean, at least for me, the first Resident Evil movie when it came out. And there's other movies that came out that were kind of higher providence in this movie. Like, I, as a young kid, I never got behind what the point of this movie was supposed to be. It literally was just a bit of people grown men fighting and then Brad Pitt with his shirt off just laughing about it as people are being the crap out of each other okay so I don't think it really had a profound impact in my youth it wasn't until I was older and seeing the movie that I see how good of a film it was but then it became a meme with the whole don't talk about five club and then saying rule number one and just repeating like different rules to each other as part of a gag versus being serious
0: I actually got to see more of the impact it had socially speaking, because I, I watched a bunch of TV shows and movies around that time, uh, especially like primetime TV. I do remember, so this is going to kind of go into the pros and cons. I'm going to go ahead and start opening into that because I do feel like culturally speaking, it did well, it got really well known, but it relied heavily on Brad Pitt number one, and then Edward Norton two. Edward Norton was doing pretty good, but he just wasn't Brad Pitt's name at the time. So I feel like the marketing really stressed about Brad Pitt, they also tried to focus on a lot of the common phrases from the film. That whole fight club first rule, that was heavily, like you can go and look in the trailers now, it's all over the marketing materials. They really try to focus on certain pieces from a marketing standpoint. And then that ultimately was known. I would actually argue a huge amount of people knew about the film. They knew about the joke about the first rule. And I would easily argue maybe a third at best watched the film. I do feel like it did have an impact but not because people watched it it was just the marketing was pretty good on their end of that Hmm.
1: okay yeah I looked up online and it looks like the movie did have like very mixed reviews when it came out as from critics it looks like it got some good reviews some bad reviews but from audiences it actually looks like it got very good reviews so it's like a mixed bag so I think more from a social standpoint like cookies talking about it was more successful but from critics they are like it has problems but it was good I think that's a great way to sum up and we could dive into why oh yeah absolutely so let's go ahead and dive into the movie and to start off he started this movie with a trope in films where I get worried where it's you open to what is the end of the film and then you have to jump back in time and then that is the entire film up and you up until you get to the point where the movie started those can work really well or really really bad and I was concerned off the get-go about that I was like oh no please don't goof this up please let there be tension about well how did he get there what what's all this about? Who's Tyler? And for the first half of the movie, I didn't care. And I was kind of upset about that because I wanted to care about the film because I've heard so much about it. And I was disappointed that I didn't care more. Now, once the movie had progressed a little bit and you start getting into the building of the soap, that's when I got more invested. I'm like, okay, this seems to be a bit more anarchist than just a fight club. And that's when I started to care. So it redeemed itself by like the halfway point in the film.
0: Yeah, I can agree with that because even on a rewatch, I think it hit me harder. Around about the halfway point, I was watching it mostly because I knew what was going to happen and it was just interesting to see again, but definitely a huge thought popped in my head halfway. I was like, I wish this movie would end around about here. I can't immediately say without watching again or really taking the time to go through every piece of the scenes, but I think the first half has like its own plot. It's not a great plot, but it has its own plot and I feel like it kind of runs its course. Then it switches gears and it becomes the more interesting half. But there's also a challenge with that is the second half almost has nothing to do with what you thought Fight Club and the whole marketing was presenting and what the original first half of the plot was. Second half feels like it's almost like its own movie. And the first half was just more of world building, explaining like the main character's history. And now we get to the whole point of the film, even though I feel like the second half had nothing to do with Fight Club. And you could argue you needed Fight Club for these pieces to work. And that's where I bring up the pros and cons. You could say it's creative, but you could also argue like, Hey, I almost didn't make it to the second half of that film. (laughs) And that's, that's definitely where I felt. Even, even though I
1: knew what was going to happen, I can a hundred percent see where you're coming from on that to where it did definitely feel like two separate films. And the first half did feel like its own entire story or more like an episode in a TV show, but in a longer form, because like the first half of films, nearly like an hour long to 45 minutes, maybe.
0: Oh, yeah. And it feels like you're just introducing characters. That's why I say like world building, you're introducing characters. This is their motives. This is some of their backgrounds. Here's how they interact. I'm also careful saying that it feels like its own film, because unfortunately, I don't feel like it was a complete story anyway. It was just more of a kind of like you said, it's a TV show. Most TV shows don't have a full plot within one episode. So I think that's a great way to put it that way.
2: See, and that's kind of where I'm a little different because, from what you're explaining, to, as I'm trying to process all this, it makes me relate to both the narrator and Tyler Durden's perspectives of the world. It feels what you're explaining is literally the overall gist of both those characters as the sum of their parts, both as individuals and as one in the same as we know later on in the movie. I just feel like, like you said earlier, the Fight Club itself had to help get from point A to point B without that particular bridgement or here's this thing that these characters go to and start building from without that key focal point I don't think with that alone it would have been just a movie as a whole I think it would have just been two empty plot points that had no correlations to each other other than one person having a identity crisis and, a, and trying to figure out what to do fulfilling with their life
1: ironically you're actually saying what we're saying
2: mm-hmm. fair enough so it, it fits.
1: It matches. We're saying the same thing in a different way. I don't feel like I enjoyed the first half of the film a lot, but I will say one thing. I did split this film up into two viewings, roughly around the halfway mark. Not because I didn't enjoy it, but because I had things to do, and so I just stopped the movie and picked it back up later. As I was doing what I was doing, I was doing dishes, I had a thought. I was like, if I'm going to talk about this film, I just hope to God that there is not one of those tropes where something in the movie is played to trick the audience because I hate that I hate it so much where you see something that doesn't make sense to the story it's only there to fool you (laughs) and I don't know why I thought that and then I saw the end of the movie I'm like you motherfuckers yeah cuz that's exactly what happens Bruh, on a rewatch, you pick up
0: so much more early on that it's like, wow, I can't believe. It, it. It's almost definitely one of those things where it's like, it's so obvious. When you go back to rewatch, especially the first hour, it's so blatant where it's like, wow, they really did tell us that this guy was fake. It was in his head, or at least something was super fishy about it. I think ultimately what happens is because there's scenes where, okay, I'll explain this part and then i explain a second part of this. There's scenes where it looks like two people, you have the main character and then Tyler, they interact in a way where you're like, okay, visually, it definitely looks like another man is beating up on him. It doesn't look like one man is punching himself. So you're actually watching it from the narrator, Edward Norton's point of view. That's how you can get lost into it. Now, this is where I bring up the second part. This is one of those dirty tricks where it actually works in their favor. Because Edward Norton's character is so messed up in the head from insomnia and a few other various things, they could do whatever they want on screen. You can get away with it because you're like hey this man's just not right in the head anyway so they could play all the rules that they want they could show it where hell he could have been fighting a whole
1: group of people and it was just all made up in his head. Completely fair. I just don't like that there were scenes in particular where you need Brad Pitt in order for the scene to work. And I'll explain why. So, do you guys remember the car scene where he's swerving in and out of traffic and Edward Norton's trying to stop him? The two in the back respond to both of them, which I guess technically they're only responding to one person. But is Edward Norton actually in the passenger seat projecting Brad Pitt into the driver's seat? Or is he actually in the driver's seat projecting? Edward Norton thinking about Brad Pitt being in the driver's seat
0: oh we can make it even worse how is the argument happening is he literally saying both sides of the argument out loud right or is he only saying one of the person's lines or is he just thinking that and he's saying something different and every once in a while he says something out loud and they respond to that
1: it seems to me that he's actually saying one half of the conversation out loud That's what I would think.
0: Here's the tough part. Is it always Brad Pitt? Is it always him that we see? Is it a mixture? I think that's part of the challenge, which earlier, I wasn't necessarily giving the filmmaker credit for it. I was just more giving respect to it because it does kind of get on my nerves from time to time whenever, since this is my second or third viewing of it, when I see scenes just like what you're talking about, where it's like, it visually looks like, like it couldn't have visually been one sided. There's movies where they'll have another character that's on screen, but the two never interact. And that's why you can get away with stuff like that. And I'm not going to spoil that for certain movies, but I think you two probably know some of the movies I'm talking about where they get away with that. But in this case, that's what bothered me is you can physically see where Edward Norton's body could not be in that position unless another human being was hitting him that kind of way, Brad, Brad Pitt specifically. And that's what I mean. Like, you know, the way he was swolling his body, and rolling around fighting Brad Pitt, you can't make that look one-sided. So even if someone really saw him fighting himself, it
1: will look physically different. If you get what I'm trying to say. I get what you're trying to say. And there's one scene, again, that points us out. Do you remember when Fight Club is discovered by the mobster who owns the building? Yes okay so the mobster starts beating up on brad pitt and he's laying there on the ground after taking a sphere of beating nearly passed out and then edward norton jumps on top of the mobster the mobster responds to edward norton while i guess the security guard while the actual mobster guy is responding to brad pitt so there's two people who interact with both sides oh my gosh
0: Yeah, I kind of want to see that scene again, because you're right. By the time that point in the movie, it's just so much has happened. There's still so much more to go. I just didn't even think about it. And I'm glad you
1: did now because, yep. Once the reveal happened, I'm like, wait a minute. This doesn't make sense. And I was waiting for the movie to pull an Uno reverse card and just be like, ha ha, got you again, bitch. (laughs) And then tell me that, well, Tyler is actually real. And he just is playing this big brain game on Edward Norton because of that mobster and the car scene. Yeah,
0: it's one of those things where even if we do the critique, because of the way they create the story, I hate to say it, they can get away with it because you could easily argue you saw everything from Edward Norton's mind, and this is how his mind processed it.
1: Right. You can say that we can't exactly trust Edward Norton because he's an unreliable narrator, but you can trust the other people in the scene. So in that case, the mobster discovering Fight Club still works oh wait actually that's sorry i'll just let that go but sorry i hate to
0: say it again you could easily argue the entire movie is from his point of view he was the establishing character from the start and he went back in his own memory yeah that's fair and i hate to defend them because i'm with you but i can't help but look on both sides like they created the story that way
1: it's so easy to deflect onto that and i don't like it to just be like well it's told from an unreliable narrator so there's going to be some things that don't make sense it's like no there's a plot hole in your
2: fucking movie exactly and they're just like shh don't talk about it just let it happen
0: it reminds me when stories use time travel to fix shit and it's like that's just too easy
1: (laughs) i will say brad pitt while we're talking about the mobster scene did a phenomenal job acting because he legitimately gave off this i'm actually in control of the situation you just happen to think you are Yep, to the very last second, he did that
0: really well. I knew the plot twist, and I still was just sold on his character that
1: there was like two fucking people in the room. I just hate to say it that way, but yeah, I have to give them credit on that. It's really solid acting. This is my first view of the film and just watching that scene I was like this dude's nuts and I really like it. There's another scene that also I will give hats off to the writers and to both Edward Norton and to Brad Pitt is the scene with the chemical burn. Again another scene that may have a plot hole in it but also it's just very well written and very well acted just the interaction between the two and how he's talking about the chemical burn is setting you free and all of that and edward norton's trying to use his therapy to sort of get himself out of the situation and then brad pitt being absolutely insane and then especially
0: on a rewatch I, I got to get more of these pieces is that you start picking up on when edward norton kind of gains a little bit of his sanity back but then he slips back and those typically are moments where tyler so brad pitt's character just disappears the moments that he just completely disappears it doesn't make sense that's a little bit of edward norton coming back i wouldn't say he's totally back until he shoots himself and i think that's ultimately like the adrenaline just shock to the system to bring him back and even then i, I don't know anything about insomnia so i can even say if that's necessarily a full solution. But to the point though, they did really well with that in the movie are those subtle moments. Once again, where when you rewatch it, you're like, wow, this is so much more obvious than I thought. Something crazy happens to him and then Tyler disappears. And then a little bit of time goes by where he's not sleeping. And now Brad picks character's back
1: yeah i do like that and it also confuses me again and i know that parts of this movie confuse me even though as much as i enjoyed it is while he's sleeping is he still getting up and doing all these things is he creating this army is he giving orders or is he legitimately sleeping and that's why he disappears because a lot of stuff seems to go down while he's sleeping and a lot of development happens but yet tyler's not there technically Man, that phrase
0: a lot doesn't even do justice because that man apparently changed half of America behind the scenes. <laughs> like oh my gosh, the amount of traveling and influence he had to do. I agree with you. I'm starting to think he never did sleep. Maybe that was when him, the original him, was completely out of the picture and Tyler, finger quotes, took over completely. And then that's why there is no recollection of those events. That probably is what it is. That's why he was kind of sleeping, but he actually was
1: that's been my thought process, is that that half of them just went dormant and Brad Pitt took control, like full control.
0: It would have to. I mean, those guys were really so like, I actually forgot until I rewatched it. I, I forgot how much the, they almost looked towards him as a god. You don't do that overnight. You don't do that within a few conversations. You don't even do that with a few fights. That takes time. It takes a lot of investment. I hate to use the word manipulation, but in other words, it's just something I didn't even think about in the film. Yeah. He just had to be around them so much to sell them on this
2: of personality really people just flocked to him because of how he carried himself and how he talked to people understand definitely for manipulation but understanding the right ticks of people and using the right words or phrases to get under people's skin and put that warm in their ear and then to get them to come out and join the, the club also that part of being like you were saying the traveling person being able to go from city to city and build that up how long do you think he had this going on a couple of years a decade like how much how much of that information do we really know
0: that's a good point I've underestimated how much time passes in the film.
1: And that's a question I had about the time frame of things is I was like, I really want some clarity on the timeline and they just didn't do it. Now, you don't need it to understand the story. But me as a person who does like a deeper, more rich story or just added bits where it's like, here's how this happened. Here's how Tyler was created. Here's how this happened. And I just like the fleshing out of things, even if it's a throwaway, like here's a graphic novel of what happened. Now, I don't know if that exists, if it does, someone please tell me, I'll go read it. But I would like some clarity on the whole timeline of how things happened and when things started. I'd like a little bit of clarity. I don't think I'm getting that
0: no no but I do appreciate it because on another podcast I was doing the same thing I was like how did they do all this stuff done within a few hours so I appreciate you thinking the same way like how in the world he pulled all this stuff off because I watching the film I honestly didn't feel like so much time had passed but now since we start breaking all the pieces goodness gracious unless he just found men who really were just hurting on the inside and they found a way out even then I don't know if you could just change that
1: many men that quickly but it's also a film so sometimes they bend reality. Right, and that's perfectly okay. A film doesn't have to be 100% realistic in order for it to work as a story, even if it is set in a more realistic world yeah my
0: my boy Edward Norton was so stuck on being Tyler that he actually got them to pretty much have like this backup plan so that if he whenever he goes back to normal that they could stop him from letting the plan go. I'm like, how do you just get get your followers that sold where you're like, look, there's gonna probably be me at some point with a different personality. I want you to you know like lock me down and keep me from stopping this
1: plan happening. They wanted to neuter him. that was his idea. <laughs> Right, <laughs> That's crazy. While watching that whole bit unfold between Tyler and the narrator, because the narrator actually never gets a name in the film. If you guys didn't actually notice, he never gets an actual name. So it's narrator, Tyler. Yeah, I keep saying main character, narrator, Edward Norton's character. Yeah, I, I picked up on the second viewing. That's why. Gotcha, gotcha. Which is why I thought it was cool that he had the narrator use all these different names when he went to these meetings. So I I think that's just a cool little hint there that he actually doesn't have an official name in the film and his real name is Tyler. So it's a nice little hint there. Yep. Another one of those when you
0: go back to rewatch where it's so obvious and they did it so well where you don't pick up on it. It's, It's great. Even for his girlfriend, I picked up on way more of her interactions because when you watch it, especially on a rewatch, it makes more sense why she reacts the way she does. As weird as it may be, because of how strange of a character she is, she was actually the most stable thing, at least in his bubble. That's why those are those times where he'll say something to her. And because of her quirky personality, she doesn't outright say like, like early on, like, hey, I slept with you. Or why do you keep referring to yourself that way? She doesn't. Out of anger, she just leaves or she might say something around that subject, which was which was genius because she's the type of character in the film that could spoil it, the twist for you. And they definitely wrote her in a way in her interactions where, especially out of anger because of the situation, she's not going to call that kind of BS out because she's reacting to what's going on.
1: That's also something that's got my brain scratching. This movie's just got my brain scratching, and I like it. It's a good brain scratch movie where you're just like, "Well, wait, how did this happen, and how did this happen? It makes you think, and I like that. I like movies where I have to think about it a little bit afterwards, is that whole dynamic between her and Tyler and the narrator is certain things sort of happen as he's cleaning his clothes, he's turning off the power, he's cleaning up the apartment, and all the meanwhile, Tyler's actually having sex with her upstairs. It just boggles my brain how that would even work. As messed up as this
0: sounds, I feel like he was obviously physically with her, or it could be vice versa, is that he's physically with her, but his brain is downstairs. As messed up as that sounds, that's a possibility. And as crazy as this sounds, it could be vice versa. It's that he's actually in the kitchen cleaning, but his brain is coming up with all this stuff going on upstairs. We know they actually did interact. Who knows how many times versus how many times he thinks.
1: It's insane. It makes my brain hurt a little bit, and I like it. Yeah. That whole dynamic is basically the whole film, the dynamic between the narrator and Tyler. Now, to touch on it a little bit, we had talked about it previously Is where the whole fight club thing didn't seem like it mattered, and that left me a little disappointed because number one, it's the title of the fucking movie, and number two, it's all anyone ever talks about this film. The one thing you're not supposed to talk about is the one thing everyone talks about, is the fight club.
0: No, ironic, right? Not only is it the only thing, that's the only piece of the movie. Even when you watch it and you walk away, guess what you still talk about? The Fight Club part.
1: <laughs> oh, I have a feeling that I'm going to be one of those people that's going to only talk about the Fight Club and not the crazy dynamic.
0: No, anyone I've ever talked to about the film, we kind of talk about it in general or the actual Fight Club piece, but not saying the twist at the end wasn't good or great. I, I actually did enjoy it. It's one of those things where I don't want to say it didn't have a big impact, but it's just not one of those things you talk about in the movie. I, I don't know how to explain it. It just doesn't feel as impactful as some other plot twist that you've seen in other films. Nowhere near as impactful.
1: And I think I know why. Because in the film, it's played as such a small moment. It's not this big, grand reveal like, I've been you this whole time, and you've secretly wanted this this whole time. And then he sort of just goes on this huge spiral. It's the reveal, about 30 seconds of flashback, boom, he passes out. That's it. It's such a short scene. Yes, it works, but is it as impactful as it could have been? No
0: yeah i almost kind of wish they could have extended or just reworked the the order but when he shot himself i would have loved because it was already a big moment i feel like that could have been the reveal is that he sees he somehow shot him even though he's across the room tyler or brad pitt's character and he dies from it and then that's when it just dawns on him like oh crap has that guy actually been real this whole time and then he could do a double take and his body's not there and that's when he's like kind of coming to his senses
1: I actually like that better, to where the plan unfolds as foreseen, but that ending, where the reveal is at the same time as where he's in the chair, and he notices all of a sudden he's got the gun, and he doesn't know how he got it.
0: Yeah, because unfortunately, even that scene's downplayed. I was looking forward to that scene again because I knew what was going to happen. But even on a rewatch, I was like, you know, this scene's not as big as I thought it was. It's crazy that he shoots himself. He survives. Then then that's it. Because you already know who Brad Pitt's character is. So it's not like that was any bigger of a deal. Sure, you see that his head back of his head is blown. Once again, it's just downplayed because you're like, well, OK. I mean, he was part of his imagination anyway.
1: So cool. He died in his imagination. I'm not sure. But here's something else on the ending. Did you guys know that there's an alternate ending to this film?
2: Yep, because I have it on the Blu-ray copy.
1: The China copy?
2: No. I have like one that I've won the anniversary edition ones from like the first 10 years it came out.
1: Okay, so is this the one where Brad Pitt, Edward Norton, and Helena are not in the final end of the movie?
2: If my memory calls, because I haven't watched my version in quite a while, I think it's just the camera viewing out to the landscape of the city as buildings are set, setting a fire and crumbling.
1: Okay. So, no, there's an actual alternate, alternate ending that was released internationally. I want to hear about this. What happened? Okay, so 20 years after its release, the movie had to have a different ending, especially internationally and in China. That's the reason I called it the China release, which instead of actually having the destruction in the building, the police came out victorious. And it reads a title card at the end of the film, the police rapidly figured out the whole plan and arrested all the criminals successfully, preventing the bombs from exploding. After the trial, Tyler was sent to the lunatic asylum, that's how they phrased it, receiving psychological treatment. he was discharged from the hospital in 2012 and that's how the film ends (laughs) (laughs) oh my god you never have that ending it ends with the whole him being interrogated that would be the end of the film basically i don't know if that's where they stop the film but i know that the bombing never happens
0: Honestly, I don't even need the bombing, but that final moment for me works where it just cuts off because I don't feel like just because the buildings was exploding, I don't feel like that was a resolution. For me, I think the resolution was him shooting himself in the head and he got a little bit of his sanity back, which is weird to say. And that was good enough for me right there.
1: Yeah. I think the reason that they did that for the international release was because it was anti-capitalism and it sent messages of anarchy. Right quick. Have you both
0: heard about the anarchist cookbook? Yes. No. Don't look it up. Don't look it up. Listeners, don't look it up. But there's a reason why I'm asking. Venture, have you seen the movie? I have not. Okay, Regent, there's a movie about it. now the The movie, I think it was banned from theaters, but you can still watch it. I just don't know how it is on the internet. But that movie reminds me of why they they wanted to block it because it's a similar concept to, to all that kind of stuff. So I'm not going to go down that tangent. But just pointing out that yeah, films from time to time do that stuff. And I know we've talked about that on the podcast before. It's like, you got to be ballsy to make a movie, especially like in America to be almost a little bit anti American.
1: Mm -hmm. And real quick to the listeners into your region who do not know what that cookbook is and why we say don't look it up is that it is quite literally an anarchist cookbook. It has a a bunch of stuff in there that if you do look it up, you are put on a watch list. It is one of the biggest ways to get put on a watch list. So that's why we say don't look it up because you don't want to be on a watch list. No one does. You're put on a watch list for the FBI. Do not do that. Do not look it up. Just watch this movie. (laughs) Exactly. Just watch this and it's good enough. You'll be fine. But yeah, because of this ending, of the actual ending, not the international ending, and when the movie came out, Brad Pitt said that audience members just started slowly getting up from their seats and not talking about it. They just started disappearing from the screening.
0: Yeah, I know for myself, I saw the film pretty much every time by myself. But if I was in a theater, yeah, I could see myself pretty much being quiet or just saying like, wow, that's quite the film and just go about my day.
1: That was pretty much my reaction to the film. I was like, all right, um, yeah, let's go. (laughs) And that was it. I didn't really have much to say. And I can see why audience reacted in that way.
2: I would be in the same boat for you guys. I would definitely would try to process it and if somebody was with me, try to talk to him about it, but if it was just myself, I'd probably be the first person out the door like, okay, I need to be at this place now. Yeah, and
1: I think that might be part of the problem with this film is people looked at it and I'd say the people who gave it a negative review almost felt like shell-shocked by it. Like they weren't quite sure what to think about it and they just walked away being like, wow, okay, that's what I just watched. And then the ones who gave it a good review were the ones that were there just to see it as a film and not a message and I talked about the whole pros and cons and I can kind of wrap that up
0: now since we've talked multiple pieces of the film I feel like the whole thing about I want to say like him tripping with him dealing with insomnia and who knows with how the story was told and stuff like that of what's real what's what's not it gets away with however they want to tell the story they can just pretty much tell it however they want so that's a pro but a downside to that is if if you're a regular just movie watcher it's a lot to take in this film oh my gosh even even though I knew what was happening, there was still just so much to process. And honestly, I was more intimidated even on this go around about how long the film was, because I was like, damn, I don't remember it being this long. And hilariously enough, when you go back and think about the plot, the plot doesn't seem like there's enough to last that long of a film, but there's just so much small stuff that adds up to the bigger picture. That's why they get away with it. And the second half, the second half is a faster pace versus the first half. The second half, I don't know if necessarily a lot more time passed and they ran through it fast but I feel like the energy ramps up. It's a lot more going on getting to the plot point. Either way, though, I feel like it's a movie that's layered and it does deserve rewatches, but I could easily see the argument that once you see the movie one time, you kind of got enough of it as well.
1: And that's where I'm at with the film. I've seen it the one time. I see where what the hype is about, and I'm good. I did want to bring up one thing about the film is you had mentioned you don't know much about insomnia. If you don't know Cookie, I actually do have insomnia. And if you do go long enough periods, you, oh, you will actually hallucinate. I have been there, done that. It's not a fun thing to realize that you have hallucinated. But it was never to this degree. It was to a much smaller degree to where I just imagined that there was a customer that I was talking to. And. That was it. Apparently the customer was never there, which is fun to hear. Wow. Learn a lot about you on this podcast. <laughs> but yeah, it's accurate to a certain extent. But that's all I have to say on the film. Do you guys want to wrap it up with our review of the film?
2: So basically with the viewing and getting back to and rewatching everything, I would have to agree with Cricks and give it a solid seven and seven and a half out of ten. For the points we spoke about throughout the episode and the fact that the Five Club was the glue holding this film together. Had it not been there, I probably would have given it a much lower score.
0: Yeah, similar to Regent, when I saw the reviews and the scoring, a lot of them essentially is over eight in total count, like eight, eight and a half. I feel like that's really high. I wanna give the movie its credit. I think it is a good movie, but I feel like there's been movies that had lower scores that I think is better. And I'll go ahead and throw this out there, is like a good example is like The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I know a little bit could be maybe it was just, I'm into that comedy or something like that, but I feel like that was a more interesting film than Fight Club. I did enjoy Fight Club, But I feel like it's one of those one hit, you're good. And if you really want to dive into the plot, rewatches will help you more. But I feel like it's only got really 30 to 40 minutes of good content that could almost be told in that amount of time. So I do agree with Regent that 7
1: to 7.5, I think is pretty solid. And I'm going to give a similar score. I'm going to go with a 6.5. And reason being is I do feel like the first half of the film, while yes, it helps with world building, ultimately was pointless, except for the Fight Club. The movie could have started out with a lot less. The end result is the same. And I feel like that is sort of like a little bit of a letdown is I want to enjoy a film for its entirety and not just sections of it. I don't want to be engaged with sections of it and then sit back for a little bit and then lean forward when it gets exciting again. I want to be engaged in the story, want to know about these characters, why things are happening, what their motives are, and I just wasn't feeling that in the first half. So that's why I give it a low score. But this movie does have a lot of phenomenal acting and had an actually good twist that for once I didn't see coming. So I give that to you. To the directors, to the actors, to the writers, well done. You surprised me with the twist. Good job. (laughs) You know what this reminds me of? Just right quick to add, you know, when you
0: have puzzles and those there's puzzles out there that once you've learned the solution, pretty much almost all the fun is gone. Yeah. I feel like that's for some people is that once, once they got the reveal, it's like, okay, now I saw the solution to this puzzle. I'm good to go. I don't really need to go and review the puzzle or try it again. And I feel like that's kind of the movie for people. They got what they needed out of it and time to move on.
1: That's a very accurate description. I like it. There's one puzzle out there that still scares me to this day, and that is the Beetlejuice Recently Deceased Handbook. I am terrified of that puzzle. That's a new one in my book. Dude, the pieces are so wonky. They're the all these weird shapes I've never seen on a puzzle before, and the colors on all of them are virtually the same, and it's
2: horrible. I hate it so much.
1: I'm scared of that puzzle. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Regent
2: has a copy of that. No, what I was originally gonna chat in with was if you think that's the be concerning, you should look at the met configuration from the Hellraiser series and have fun with that one. Oh Hellraiser, that no, please do not ever put that on the list. At least at least the first
1: one. But with that, we're now going on a tangent. So region and cookie, thank you very much for joining me for this episode.
2: Pleasure as always. I still can't believe we broke the first rule of this.
1: And the second rule, if you can believe that as well.
2: And rule six, because we're wearing shirts. Shh,
1: who says I'm wearing a shirt? And thank you listeners for listening. If you did enjoy this podcast, a like, share, review on whichever platform you are probably listening to this episode on would be greatly appreciated. Also share it with a friend. It helps the podcast grow. Word of mouth is one of the best ways and both of them are absolutely free to you. So go ahead and do either one of those. There's also links to all of our social medias down below. So if you wanna tell us that you've read the book of Fight Club, go ahead and do that. Or if you wanna suggest a film, you can also do that there. But thank you very much for listening We hope you enjoyed and I hope you have a wonderful day. Thanks. Bye. Bye.